0: In verse 50 of Luke 8, it reads, But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. The title of the message this morning is Fear Not, Only Believe. There's a lot of meaning in those four little words. See, Jesus was traveling with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, the keeper of the synagogue, in anticipation of healing his 12 year old daughter. When Jesus encounters the woman with the issue of blood, and because of her faith, Jesus stopped for just a moment. He's traveling with the ruler, she touches his garment. Jesus says these words who touched me in other words who hung on to me with their whole being so much so it was much different than all of these other people that were touching me and he said to us he gave her an endearing word a word of intimacy he called her daughter telling her be of good comfort your faith has made you whole not just healed but whole and at this moment while Jesus was speaking someone from Jairus' house came up and said you might as well leave the master you might as well leave Jesus don't trouble him anymore your daughter is dead it's the end it's over The master can't do anything else. Don't even trouble him. But Jesus hears this, and he responds, and I like this visual that he looked Jairus right in the eyes, and he said, fear not, only believe, and she shall be made whole. See, I would challenge each of us to view this as one of the most important and impactful statements in the whole of Scripture, that these four simple words, fear not, only believe, can transform your life, give you a place of rest, give you a sense of calmness in the midst of any storm, and be an anchor for your soul. So I'd like to share three key points of review or reflection as we dig in and look at what this could mean to you and I. The first one that we saw previously before Jesus made this statement is that the man that had came from Jairus' house said, Trouble him not. In 849 of Luke it says, While he yet spake that cometh one, from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Don't bother him with it. It's too late. She's gone. He makes a statement in in Mark, the fifth chapter. We see even in that version of it, we see a question being made. It says, while he had spake their king from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troubles thou the master any further? What good is it? He can't do anything. It's too late. Why would you even trouble him anymore? And in essence, they were saying, give up, it's over. It's obvious there's no hope because she is dead. And maybe you've had a situation like that in your life where it seemed hopeless. It seemed like it was at its finality and you felt like giving up. But we are not talking about a blind faith here. Because beforehand, we see something transpiring. So I'm not saying in every situation that we see when someone is passed on that we expect the same thing to happen that we expect here but something occurred before the trouble got to this point see he the father jairus had already troubled jesus he came to jesus he requested of jesus and the lord here's the kicker the lord had already responded See, look with me in the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 23 and 24. It says this, and he besought him greatly, meaning the father had went before Jesus. He was pleading with Jesus. He hungered after Jesus, saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And she shall live. And Jesus went with him. You see that? Jesus responded. Jesus got on the journey with the Father. This trial that he was going through, this tribulation, this suffering that he was going through, Jesus was walking with him along the way. The Bible says he was being thronged, that many was touching him. That was a, a great mass of people. And much people followed him and thronged him. See, Jesus had got on this journey of faith with the Father. Just because the situation changed, it does not mean Jesus changed. It didn't mean Jesus stopped going. His promises are steadfast and sure. See, let me have a little plain talk today. Sometimes we can, we, we, we can be trusting God, we can be on that journey with him, but when the situation changes, we just fall all out, like God's changed his mind. We get hard-hearted, we get grieved so much that we can stop trusting him. See, it's so important that we understand that Jesus is above every situation. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Yes, it's going to change in our lives. It's going even. It's probably going to get worse before it gets good, better. See, it's a walk of faith. Are we willing to be on the journey, no matter what it looks like, no matter the trial or tribulation? that we would trust in his unchanging hand. See, in Jesus' statement to the father, fear not, believe only, he was saying, don't stop trusting now. You trust me to, to beseech me to come and call me and seek after me and I immediately turned to walk with you. Don't stop trusting me now because somebody told you something hard that seemed like it's going to overwhelm you. So That's the very same thing that they would tell Nehemiah when he went to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. They say it's going to be for nothing. It's going to be turned into rubble. But he said, remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your sons and daughters. Fight for your husband and your wife. Fight for your house. Because Jesus was reminding him, I've already responded. I'm walking with you through this. See, it's so important to understand that for the believer, even death is not the end. Amen. It's only the beginning, because we have victory in Jesus. So the question remains: Can or are we troubled, Are we troubling the Lord? Can we really trouble Him? See, saints, I would encourage you not to have this mindset with the Lord. Because the Bible reminds us that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. See, it's actually the other way around. Your troubles trouble the Lord. Not you. You can't trouble him. But your troubles trouble the Lord. See, look with me in Isaiah 63 verse 9. The Contemporary English Version says it this way, It troubled the Lord to see them in trouble, and his angels saved them. The Lord was truly merciful, so he rescued them in his arms and carried them all those years. You know, the Israelites were in bondage. They were in slavery. The Lord loved them so much that he was constantly saving them. He was constantly merciful. He was rescuing them in his own arms and seeing them through every moment and year. See, I've learned that if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, Where would I be? It definitely wouldn't be here. I would have been dead and gone a long time ago. See, if we look back at the footprints of our life, we will see that God is there. That he's seen us through so much. You know, the the, the plans of the devil is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to wipe out every resemblance of God. All of God's creation. But for God. His sustaining power. He sees us through every moment. It's so important that we seek after him with our whole heart. I love what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. It says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything... By prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. See, that word supplication means earnest desire. You can't trouble him, you can't bother him, but that we would seek him. And we would say, Lord, I need you. I'm holding on to you with an earnest desire. And the Bible says in the next verse, and the peace that passes all understanding. It's going to look foolish to everybody around us it's going to look crazy to the world. The world going to probably say to us, just like Joe's wife mentioned, for a moment, you need to curse God and die. It's too hard. It's too much. But the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Will guard it. Don't let all that negativity and naysay and everything to come in. It's going to guard your heart and mind and remind you that if God is for me, who can be against me? God loves me with an undying love. That he's going to be with me in the midnight hour. He's going to see me through every situation. And that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That he has my good and not my bad. And watch God show up in every situation and show out. So remember, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's so important to understand that you're going to have those moments that you're just not going to feel joyful. You're not going to feel peaceful. But when you look on his steadfast love. And you remind yourself what Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a hope and a future, to give you an expected end a hereafter. See, God's thinking about us constantly and at all times. It'll cause that fear to be not. See, Jesus said these words. He said, fear not. So what is fear all about? And why is it so important for us to overcome it? See, fear is simply this. It's like a disease, and it's contagious. It can grip you make you sick, make you to act and respond the way that God doesn't want us to act and respond. See, this particular fear that Jesus is talking about here, in the Strong's definition, it means to stand in awe and dread that we're not standing in the awe of God, but we're in the awe of the circumstance of the situation of the trial, and we're dreading. All those things are coming up in our mind, what could happen, what might happen. It feels like a tidal wave overcoming us. It's frightful, and it's a destructive fear, as of the fear of men and events and things that happen, the kind of fear that is a snare that captures us and overtakes us. Anybody ever been there? But this kind of fear, perfect love casts out. So God wants to remind us of his perfect love. See, Psalms 27 verse 1 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? when we allow his light just like in that very first verse when Zechariah sung the song them that set in darkness have seen a great light that he rejoiced and he testified of the Lord see it's so important that we know that he's our light that he's our salvation for eternal life for right now, forevermore. And that the Lord is our strength. See, where we're weak, he is strong. When you're feeling like you don't have anything left, lean on the Lord. Trust in him. Allow him to give you that strength for today and for tomorrow. Because if we look at mark 5 verse 37 and 38 we see something coming out of these scriptures and he suffered no man to follow him save peter and james and john the brother of james so the first thing jesus did because him understanding that fear is infectious that it can run away with you, that it can be contagious, that he implemented a quarantine. He said, all these folks ain't coming. Not even all the disciples aren't coming. Because if they start operating in fear, it's going to be like a a disease. It's going to be contagious. So he said, you know what? Y'all don't need to wear a mask. Y'all just stay here. He was being thronged by the masses. But he was not allowing them to follow him for the work of faith that needed to occur. See, verse 38 says this, "Seeing And he come into the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. See, that word tumult means great emotional and mental agitation. Folks falling out all over the place. They're in anguish. It's just, they're just losing their mind. And there could be a little bit of understanding. This 12-year-old daughter, probably a sweet little girl, she died. They thought she was dead. There's great agitation, great emotions going on right now. See, fear is about agitation. Why is it happening? We've all been there. Why is this happening? Why me, Lord? See, it's about dread and intimidation. I can't overcome this. We feel like it's going to consume, it's going to overwhelm, it's going to take us. And fear is about being snared and enslaved. It's going to enslave me. It's all over. There's no hope. See, if you're overcome by fear, if you're snared by it, you become paralyzed. And you don't respond the way you should. Your correct response becomes an afterthought. You ever been there? You did something and then I'd be like, man, I wish I'd have done that differently. So Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. See, to be snared and enslaved means to be captured. And we can easily forget who we are and whose we are. Because the Bible reminds us whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That we're freed from all of it. And it's so important that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, our trust in him. That no matter what the situation looked like, The way you are freed is to believe, to trust him. Don't trust in anything else but to trust in him. So Jesus says those words. He says, only believe. He's charging them to have a singularity. He's charging the Father to have a singularity of trusting in him, in Christ, the anointed one. The one that came to seek and to save. To set the captives free. To bind the brokenhearted. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To proclaim the good news and the liberty that God has brought into the world. See, but look with me at mark the fifth chapter verse 39 and 40 It tells a, a, a little bit of variation from luke of what transpired and so it says and when he was come in he said unto them why make ye this ado and weep jesus is a kind gentle guy he just said why are y'all making such a fuss why are y'all cutting up in here The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, see, when he got to the house, see, so often they thought they knew what was the end, what was the beginning and the end. So often we can get so fixated on those dates between the dashes when he says i am the beginning and the end i am alpha and omega but when he put them all out he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and he entered in where the damsel was lying See, Jesus needed to quiet the noise of all the naysayers and unbelievers. So he put them out. See, that's an awesome message to us, saints, that it's so important that we quiet the noise that can go on around us. Whether it's other folks in our lives, whether it's tragedies that come up and these imaginations that try to just come in our mind. And then get down in our heart. It's so important that we quiet the noise. Mr. Baseball in the movie "Mr. Baseball," as a pitcher, he got on the mound, and he would hear the noise of the audience and hear the noise of the stage, I mean, of the stadium. And it can get very daunting. They even calibrate it down and see how loud it can be. Before he threw any pitch, he would always say. Clear the mechanism. Clear the mind. Quiet the noise. And focus. So Jesus was giving this implication. Stop listening to all that's going on around you. Stop believing all those fearful lies that's coming at you. Like it's going to overwhelm you, like it's going to destroy you and trust, and believe. See, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's able, that he's an on-time God, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In every situation, don't turn our back on him, but we seek him. See, the tragedy so often in this world is when we go through something, we go through a trial, that we turn away from God. That we turn away from God's people. That we run into isolation. Just like Elijah ran, he was fearful of what Jezebel could do. And he saw it, he allowed his emotions to get the best of him, and he ran away. He ran from God. And God got up close and personal and said, Elijah, what are you doing in this place? What are you doing so fearful? What are you doing without hope? He said, trust in me. See, this speaks to the continual faith walk that is important for each and every one of us with the Lord. That he's not the God of our salvation just for one time, but every moment of our life. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the eyes see, take a moment to imagine the worst of worst of worst and it's still not bigger than our God. We must quiet the noise in our lives. Saints of God, you need to be able to say that word. We're fighting against an enemy or foe that wants to destroy us. So don't be nice and gentle and and copacetic with him. The Bible says the violent take it by force. He wants to take everything that you have, so it's important that we be violent with him and tell him to shut up. Thus saith the Lord. Be singular in our hearing and our trusting of him and slap any lie out of your life. Don't believe it. Don't let it get in. Proverbs 3 tells us this in verse 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. See, this is a different kind of fear here. This fear means to reverence and to honor, to put him first. This is not that frightful kind of fear, but the fear of the Lord and depart from evil. See, it's important to understand that a little bit. Yes, it's talking a little bit about the evil that we can do, but it's also talking about the evil that's done to us. Don't allow it to just do anything to you. Depart from it. Walk away from it as you trust the Lord, as you lean to him, lean on him and his understanding, that evil has to get far from you. Because as God gets closer, his love and mercy comes upon you. You walk in it and dwell in it. That evil has to go. That's why the demons, as when Jesus was walking upon them, they, they, they said, Jesus, what do we have to do with you, the anointed one? They're like, don't cast us utterly out. Cast us in the swine. Cast us somewhere. And as we walk with the Lord and we trust in him, the same thing happens in our lives. The devil got to go. It shall be health to thy neighbor and marrow to thy bones. See, the fear of the Lord does not mean dread here, but reverence and honor. And as we reverence him, believing shall be health to you. It's better than the doctor's medicine. It's better than the setting of your bones as you believe and trust upon him is marrow see that marrow is the inside of that bone that thickness that gets on the inside the core of that bone as we believe in him is health is marrow so saints of God, no matter what it looks like, trust him. So this man had a decision to make because so often the world has said death is death. It's the end. Maybe in your life you're going through something and Jesus is turning to you. And he's saying, fear not, only believe. Because there's a difference between being asleep and being dead. In this context here, the Bible reminds us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But because of Christ, the moment we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we become alive. And that's an eternal life. Never to be dead anymore. And so he's speaking an eternal statement here. She's only sleeping. See, there's a time coming for each and every one of us that we're going to lay down this physical. But that's not death for the believer. See, I love the way Billy Graham said it. He said, one day they're going to come to you and they're going to say that I've died. He's going to say that it's going to be, he said, it's an over-exaggeration and don't you believe it for one minute that I'm more alive than I've ever been before. See, saints of God, we're more alive than we've ever been before. Death has no sting. The grave has no victory. See, this body is going to go into a state of sleep or death, but it's not who we are. It's just the shell that we're operating in right now. You are no longer dead, but you've been made alive. See, once Christ is on the journey with you, You are alive forevermore. The only thing you can do is sleep from time to time. Death has no victory over you. It has no victory over your family, over your house, when they come to the Lord. So Christ entered this room in the book of Luke, The 8th chapter, verse 54 and 55. And even in the room, he needed to put some folks out. I'm not trying to add to that. But it's so important that we clean house a little bit. Don't let just anything be in your house. It can mess you up. And he took her by the hand and called saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. You see that? Her spirit came again. And she arose straightway and he commanded, to give her meat. She's back in this shell. She's on this earth. There's a physical state of living. But that spirit on the inside is alive. And that, saints of God, The living spirit, when God quickens us, cannot die. It's so important that we walk in that truth, no matter what the situation. Walk in it. Trust the Lord in it. Fear not. Only believe. Be singleness of mind. Knowing that this is not your home, that God has a great plan for you, that he came to set the captives free for all eternity. You know, we're going to look back on this time with great joy, but also we're going to be like, man, why was I fussing about that? and we rejoice forevermore knowing that he was faithful, that he's good, that he's life. And he loved us so much that he wanted us to have it all. And so he said, believe. Only believe. Trust me. And I guarantee you You will never, ever forget it. Amen?